Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. Do you ever, or maybe often, feel trapped or burdened by life, by your work, by your relationship, or a lack of relationship, maybe by your kids, or by your parents, maybe by your bank account, or your body, or perhaps just your circumstances in general? Do you often experience resistance to the life you're living right now, or just what's happening at the moment, like you just want it to go away? And do you avoid feelings of frustration, sadness, anger, loneliness, despair, etc.? Well, in today's episode, I actually don't have a guest. I'm diving into this on my lonesome because, well, it's just time to do that. I've gotten a lot of feedback from uh, my mentors, even from other men that I've interviewed on this program and from my listeners that they'd like to hear more from me in this podcast as well. I've really enjoyed interviewing these other men and I'm going to continue doing that. It's such a rich part of this experience, but I keep getting the feedback to start doing some episodes where I'm sharing with you what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing and what I'm learning from it and, and my practices in life and how I am creating my own version of a thriving life. So that's what we're going to do in today's episode of Men This Way. And we're going to dive into those questions about feeling burdened or trapped by life and feeling resistance to what's happening in the moment and the practice that so many of us men live on a daily basis to avoid the feelings of frustration, sadness, anger, loneliness, grieving, right? To just get that stuff away and out of us. And why does that matter? Well, because if we can't embrace it in ourselves, there's no way we're going to be able to embrace it in the world around us or in our intimate relationships and our partners either. And that is uh, that never goes well. I'm going to share with you a personal story that I'm experiencing that's triggering my own feelings of feeling burdened and trapped by life. And I'm going to share with you three key takeaways that are meaningful, especially to me in this moment. These are also key takeaways that I work with in my coaching practice with men and with women and with couples as well. And then finally, I'll share with you an actual practice that you can do, that I'm doing, that I do regularly, that really helps me evolve and grow and move through these these moments where it's like no matter how good life may look on the outside, something inside of me just feels crushed by the circumstances. All right, let's dive. The past few days and probably past few months I've been feeling really burdened by my dog. I love my dog. This little golden retriever, Yellow Jean, that my my lady and I adopted at just nine weeks old two years ago. But here's the thing. 
when I envisioned having a dog, and I grew up with dogs, so I, I'm, I'm such a dog person. I love dogs. But I grew up with, with retrievers and Labradors and Bernese Mountain Dogs and just predominantly, mostly lovable, cute, friendly, companion family dogs that are friendly to everyone. We did have one crazy Cujo-like dog named Barney, a, a brown lab, who um, sadly had to be put down uh, actually when I went away to college because he actually killed a puppy that we had brought into our home. Um, terrible, tragic story. And so Barney was a bit crazy. But other than that, every dog we ever had was just super lovable. And that's what I envisioned for my dog. I wanted to have a dog that was just, I could take anywhere that would just come up to you and love you and want to be petted by you. And, and actually when we met her, when we went to the breeder and to pick her up, uh, we were in Las Vegas at the time on a business trip. And it just so happened that there was a breeder who had three uh, small females, puppy females, nine weeks old, ready to go. And so Sylvie and I went to the breeder's home and and we met the the father of the dog and the of the of these puppies and the father he was so so lovable exactly what i wanted just as soon as he saw us he came and he was beautiful i mean he was a show dog and a hunting dog and he came and nestled his head right into my crotch <clears throat> right just up against my body and it was just immediately didn't care who i was or what my intentions were all he wanted to do was receive love and be affectionate. And I thought, this is my dog. Fast forward two years through our little pup being attacked a few times at dog parks, once really viciously by a bull mastiff, being harassed by dogs in our neighborhood, and then being bullied by two Bernese Mountain Dogs at my mom's home in Maryland for a summer. Well, fast forward through all of that, and my little yellow Jean has a lot of anxiety, and she she still she is super sweet, but she she's aggressive at times um, in certain contexts. And I, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the pool man came, and he's been coming for nine months, and she barks every time. But um, uh, you know, I figured they mostly knew each other by now. And but just two weeks ago, she lunged at him and nipped at the side of his clothes. <sighs> Not the dog experience I wanted. And when we take her for a walk on a leash and she sees other dogs on leash, she she turns into her own version of Cujo and like a crazy person lunges at these dogs. It's terrifying. And I took her hiking the other day and I love to have her off, off leash while we're hiking. Um, but I can't really do that anymore because uh, a man uh, walked around the corner on our hike and she charged him like a, a rabies charged rhino. It was terrible. She didn't bite him. She didn't, she just put on a, on a ferocious display, but this is not the experience that I wanted to have with a dog. And Man, have I been feeling burdened and trapped by the experience. Uh, I'd noticed that I wasn't even going hiking as much in the last year because this has been happening for quite some time. It's just getting worse. And I've been feeling really isolated because of this dog. And in and, and our first year, year and a half of having her, because we lived 
uh, we lived in a two bedroom condo and both Sylvia and I work at home. So you can't have a puppy and work at home when you have no yard can't get anything done. So we invested a lot of money in daycare. We spent over $7,000 on this dog in the first year of having her. And now because of her aggression, we're getting ready to spend another $4,000 on a boarding program, a three-week boarding program to hopefully train this or rehabilitate her. Like Cesar Milan says, I don't train dogs. I rehabilitate dogs and train people. And I'm, I believe that these, the people we're getting ready to take her to are, are in that school of, of thought. So they're going to rehabilitate our dog and give me and Sylvie some good training for four G's. And you better believe I am feeling burdened by this whole experience. This is so the opposite of what I wanted to experience as with a dog and as a dog owner, which brings me to key takeaway number one. And this is something that I've been aware of for a long time, but it still, it still occurs to me routinely. And here's the key takeaway that we men in particular, men, women too, in their own way, but we men are always going to feel trapped and burdened by something. We men are always going to feel trapped and burdened by something. If it's not one thing, it's another. You know, before the dog was displaying these signs of aggression, more of my focus would have been on feeling burdened by my bank account or by living in a two bedroom apartment and both or condominium and both my partner and I working at home and not really having enough space. It's always something. There's always something. Driving in Los Angeles traffic, I immediately feel trapped and burdened by the fact that it's going to take me an hour to get somewhere instead of the 30 minutes it should take to get somewhere. Right. And this is, this is like the, this is the core experience of anyone who is more masculine identified. We are always going to feel trapped and burdened by life and anything and everything in it. Our sports team, doesn't win the way we want them to, we will feel trapped and burdened by the frustrations of our sports team not winning. And it has nothing to do with our own lives. Um, Politics. I mean, how many of us feel trapped and burdened by the political situation? Even if your guy is the one who's running the show, there's always forces arrayed so-called against you that feel burdensome and entrapping. It's endless. You know, a man can can feel burdened by not having an intimate partner in his life. And then when he gets that intimate partner and it turns out she or he is very different from him and has different sensitivities, different even primal concerns and values. And well, now he feels trapped and burdened by the relationship itself. It's endless. So one of my teacher, David Data, his three stages model of, of what he calls the masculine search for freedom, this is the first stage experience that every man and many women will experience throughout our lives. The feeling of, of being burdened, trapped, affected by the outside world, and it doesn't go away. And when, you know, when I'm working with couples, this comes up all the time. And the, the, the risk 
of remaining in this stage one mindset where we're seeking freedom by arranging the world around us. Like for example, me wanting to cure this dog, fix this dog so that she, so that I can take her places and not have to worry about her cujoing out on somebody. That is unsustainable and it's not guaranteed in, in any case. And even if we do fix this problem with so-called problem with the dog, this situation all that's going to happen is I'm going to turn my attention to something else that feels burdensome or, or trapping. You know, I have a friend who has half a million followers on, on a social media account. And he was just sharing the other day how he feels jealous of people who have more followers than him. He has half a million followers. He's rocking it. He has a multi-million dollar business from social media. And yet he still feels burdened. By, by not having what, what he believes would be the freedom granted by having more. <laughs> it's endless. It is endless. And this arises in intimate relationships. This, is, this arises with our work. This arises with our family. Even our children can feel burdensome. I mean, the, the people we love most in the world can still feel like a burden to our stage one mentality. And so it's just good to notice. It's good to know that number one, you're not alone. It can be triggered by something as significant as losing a loved one um, or, or losing a job, losing significant amounts of money. But it can also be triggered by something as tiny and seemingly insignificant as traffic, as you know, the waiter bringing you the wrong food or, or having the dog not behave exactly the way you want it to. Like there's all kinds of things. These triggers are endless. It's a moving target thinking that we are ever going to arrange the world outside of ourselves in a way where, oh, finally, nothing for me to do or fix or arrange. In an earlier episode I recorded with Satyan Raja, great episode. He is also a longtime student of David Data. And one of the core themes of our conversation was same, this, this distinction, we're never going to feel free someday. Someday in the future when we'll feel free, we'll have enough money, have the right partner, or we'll have the right partner behaving the right ways. It never comes. Someday never happens. Our challenge as men is to learn how to discover the freedom that we already are. Discover that in the stage one existence, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. You know, this comes up in relationships a lot. You know, this happens in my own relationship regularly, that even despite my best intentions, I always have good intentions. It doesn't matter. My partner is going to be upset sometimes at things I do or don't do, even though I'm completely innocent in the doing or not doing of it. Innocent in the sense that I meant no harm, I meant no ill will, even whatever story she's telling about what happened or what I did, it's not certainly not my truth, but it doesn't matter. She's hurting. She hurts. She's having emotions that don't make sense to me. And that can feel burdensome. That can feel entrapping. And so long as we stay in this mindset, we are fucked. We are damned if we do and damned if we don't. And so our journey, and this is going to be the practice that I share with you at the end and this will, this will lead me into the second uh, key takeaway that I want to offer to you. 
um, in this episode, but our, our journey as core masculine beings is to learn how to experience freedom even in the midst of all that would constrain us in the outside world. I mean, this is the, this is the core of all spiritual practice, even meditation to sit and not identify with all that wants to put its hooks in us and fuck us up in this way or that way. You know, all the thoughts and the emotions and the, and the stories and the demands of life and the, all of that. It's the height of spiritual practice to, to find freedom while in these human bodies that are by their very nature constraining. So <sighs> we are always going to feel trapped and burdened by something. And I've definitely been experiencing that these, these last few days, especially, which leads me to key takeaway. Number two, avoiding the feelings never works. Avoiding the feelings never works works, especially when it comes to intimacy, but also when it just comes to enjoying our own lives. You see, when we avoid our feelings and look, being human, even if you don't think, you know, a lot of times in, in men's work, a lot of times we, we start with, we do men's groups. We start with a check-in. What are you feeling? What most men answer is what am I thinking? So what are you feeling? Well, you know, it's been a rough week. It's been, uh, gosh, I've been really busy at work. No, no, no. We didn't ask what you're thinking or what your story is. What are you feeling? Oh, and then you might get a clue and say, well, you know, I'm kind of tired because uh, I got up late this morning after a rough night. No, no, no. We're not. You have no idea if that's why you're tired. That's a story. What are you feeling? <sighs> and a disciplined man who's been doing this, practicing this for some time, We'll go, oh, I'm feeling tightness in my back. I'm feeling nervousness in my belly. I'm feeling dryness in my throat. I'm feeling moist on my skin. I'm feeling a little warm and I'm feeling a little angry. And I'm also feeling grateful. You know, it's amazing when we men start to really check in with our bodies, with our emotions and feelings. It's amazing what we start to discover that there's this body that's having all of this experience that when we live in our heads, in our stories, and really in our burdens, always trying to solve problems, always trying to fix the world around us, we overlook, we miss the richness of just having a body and inhabiting our bodies. And that really fucks up our relationships because connection, real connection, which is the feminine domain concern. And by feminine, I don't mean woman. All men have feminine capacity. All women have masculine capacity. But when we, when we avoid feeling what we're feeling, we're essentially cutting off half of the human experience. And we're denying the connecting force in intimacy, that feminine flow of energy between two people. And, you know, I get people, women especially though, but men too, but write to me all the time about emotional disconnect. And Sylvia and I, my partner, we actually started a, a program called Conflict to Connection. 
for couples that are struggling to experience connection. And these are couples that may have everything. I actually work with celebrity clients and I have um, I, uh, uh, one celebrity couple that I, obviously I won't name for privacy concerns, but one celebrity couple I worked with not long ago had and has everything, everything that a human being could want on this planet, they have it. They've got money, they've got homes, they've got jobs that they love, they have the world's admiration, they have, you know, they have the millions of followers, they, ha they have all of that, and yet their relationship was bogged down in disconnect because they were stuck in this stage one mindset, constantly seeking the resolution of their so-called problems by changing the outside world, which really just means changing each other. That's called codependence. It's stage one and it doesn't work. It leads to breakdown, even in a great, otherwise great relationship. So this key takeaway, avoiding the feelings, it never works, especially when it comes to intimacy and to enjoying our lives. You know, my partner, Sylvie, said something to me. We've been together for we'll be coming up on four years and uh, about six months into our relationship or so. I remember we got into a, we got into a, a little argument and she texted me later that day and she said, you know, I want you to know I really care about your feelings. And I remember my first thought was, why? I don't even care about my feelings. Fascinating. I don't even care about my feelings. To which something else she said, not at this time, but she was so right on. She said, if you don't care about your own feelings, you're never going to be able to care about mine. Bam, mic drop. She was so right. And again, I knew this because I've studied these models and been doing this work a long time, but knowing it and living it, two different things. Two different things. Relationship connects through shared feeling experiences. It doesn't mean as a man that I have to cry as much as my partner does or cry every time she does. No, that's not what we're talking about here. But it does mean developing my own internal capacity to feel all that I'm feeling so that I can extend that same allowing to my partner so that she can feel everything that she's feeling and that it's welcome. She doesn't feel my rejection of her feelings because I've rejected my own. Make sense? It's really profound. And this is really stage two work for a man. And by the way, I just want to acknowledge that David Data, I learned these three stages originally from him, but this three-stage model exists in, in, in a lot of different ways. You know, this, the, the, the psychological relationship model from, from codependence to interdependence, it's, it's, it's out there. And I have a certain interpretation of these three stages that is probably different from, from David's. So this is distinctly my own, my own interpretation of these three stages. Just want to make sure that that's clear in case you're familiar with his work or, or other work of these three stages. Uh, yeah, good. Got that out of the way. So this practice that I'm going to share with you is really a second stage practice, which is to stop trying to fix everything on the outside. You know, stop trying to get your partner to do it different. Stop trying to, to make the dog be something she can't be right now. A dog is such a great example because I can't, I can't, I mean, I can, and we do all the time, but <laughs> I can't falter for 
feeling afraid when a, when a strange man approaches around the corner. I know that dude's not going to do anything, but she's clearly acting this way out of some very primal protective program that me just rationalizing with her, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference in the same way that me rationalizing with my partner over some sensitivity she has never fucking makes a difference. You know, we can talk, we can rationalize things with another human after we connect around the feelings. After my partner feels safe to feel what she's feeling, then we can talk about kind of the more logical or the more rational explanations or come up with solutions or discuss the facts, all, all that, but not until we've embraced the feeling experience that's present. And I know that doesn't make sense, especially to men and probably even to a lot of women, but that is so foundational for us to have really thriving, intimate experiences, intimacy, relationships, and again, to enjoying our own lives, to really feeling our lives, right? So that's this second key takeaway, avoiding the feelings never works. And this will tie into the practice that I'm going to give you, but I don't want to jump there just yet because here's the third key takeaway. Everything is here to teach us a lesson. Everything is here to teach us a lesson, something important and profound about ourselves, about life, about our capacity to love. Another way that you may have heard this stated is nothing happens to us only for us. Nothing happens to us only for us, right? Notice the shift in, in, from victim to really hero of our own story, right? Knowing that everything, we can learn from everything that happens to us. You know, one of the, one of the things that, that having this dog with anxiety just act in all these ways that, I, again, I didn't want. I didn't dream up. This is the opposite of what I wanted to experience. I wanted a dog that, that loved getting in the car and going on adventures and would hang her head out the window and then just run up and kiss strangers and just be really connecting to the world. I got the opposite. But I am so aware, painfully so, that this is one of the most important lessons that I have been confronted with in my life, and that is how to embrace life even when it doesn't show up the way I want it to. It's one of the most profound lessons that I know I've been called to, especially as a coach. Because, you know, as coaches and, and, and you know, therapists, any kind of, of this type of kind of healer, service provider, when we are attached to an outcome, we hurt people. We can hurt and abuse our clients pushing them to get something or learn something or, or achieve something when that is not really what their soul or their, their heart is calling for, or when really maybe what they need more than to, to be pushed into some outcome that I think they should be getting or seeing or having. And instead what I'm doing is just, I'm, 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 I'm becoming really, I'm becoming an abuser. I've actually worked with a coach myself who who was so attached to me getting things that she resorted to horrible behavior, really boundary violating behavior in order for me to get something. And this is what I do when I'm attached to things being a certain way and they don't go that way. I try to impose my will on my partner, on 
life, even on traffic. I'll, I might weave in and out of traffic, or I might push the driver ahead of me to go a little bit faster because I think traffic should be going faster. I mean, it, it's again, in ways big and small, this belief that I know how life should be going right now is incredibly damaging. So this key takeaway that everything is here to teach us something profound about ourselves, about life, that nothing happens to us, only for us. You know, this has been the real challenge for me in this experience with this, this dog is because I love her. She's wonderful. My partner absolutely loves her. We're not getting rid of this dog. So what is the lesson here for me to learn? And it really is surrender. You know, we're still going to spend the money. We're still going to take action to help this dog and help ourselves have a more relaxed experience. But there's no guarantee it's going to work. And so I can live my life in resistance to what is. I can live the next 10 to 15 years resenting this dog and feeling trapped and clenching my body because of all that tension. I can do that for the next 10 to 15 years. Jesus, what a stupid choice that would be. Or I can practice, even as I'm taking action, I can practice surrendering to what is, embracing what is. And, and seeking the lesson, the profound, heart-opening, mind-expanding, expanding, life-affirming message that's here for me, or lesson that's here for me. And you know, what does that tell my partner when she sees also me leaning into that discomfort and really seeking love in my own heart, seeking how to embrace this dog and serve this dog, not just because I want to fix it, but out of willingness for this to just be how it is. I mean, what message does that tell my own partner who she herself has trauma and wounds and anxieties and sensitivities that maybe don't make sense to me or aren't convenient for me, right? What am I doing but also signaling to her that, that I love her, that I'm willing for her to be as she is? And she's extraordinary. If any of you all know my fiance, you follow her on Instagram, Sylvie Kukasian. She's an extraordinary human being. I am so profoundly grateful to be walking beside this woman. And that first stage part of me can like, like, like for any man, that first stage search for freedom that, that wants to find, you know, wants the world to, to make me free is still going to experience resistance in a moment where uh, a sensitivity of hers is causing me to to maybe rethink how I'm showing up. <laughs> I'm naturally going to be resistant to that, but that's just the first stage. And the beautiful thing about these three stages is we can actually learn how to navigate, how to shift from that stage one initial recoil to, oh, what, is this, what does this mean I have to do that I don't want to have to do? What is this? Whatever. We can shift from that first stage to the third stage, which is really a surrendering to love, to being willing, not just willing, but embracing of what is so that we can be powerful, be, be with what is, be in partnership with what is, with life really is what I'm talking about, be in partnership with life. There's actually, per this, this third takeaway, there's a great, great book that I would highly recommend reading. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's called The Surrender Experiment. The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. He wrote a book called The Untethered Soul. 
The untethered soul is like the, the how-to manual for the surrender experiment. The surrender experiment is autobiographical about how he really practiced surrendering to all that life was bringing into his consciousness, into his presence, into his space. Um, he tells a great story about how he uh, bought some land in Florida and uh, he would just go and meditate there. And a little, he built a little cabin in the woods and he would just go and meditate there. And, and he went away for about a week and he came back and there was a woman on his property who was beginning to put up a house. She'd heard that he was meditating and just decided, well, I'm gonna, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to join him there. And his first initial reaction was, are you fucking kidding me? Get off my property. But instead, he picked up a hammer to help her build the house, the surrender experiment. And over a course of a few years, that property would grow to become an internationally renowned retreat center where people from all over the world would come to meditate and learn and grow. And all out of his surrender, out of his willingness for what on the surface seemed like a something happening to him. She's encroaching on my freedom. First stage, get away. I wanted space. So anyway, it's such a profound book, The Surrender Experiment. He actually, from, from being kind of a hippie in the woods, meditating in the woods, many few decades later, he would be the founder and owner of a $300 million software company, all because he just kept saying yes to what life kept asking of him. It's a really profound, profound book, profound read, The Surrender Experiment. <sighs> so I know I've, I've kind of teased you with these three stages a bit, and uh, I don't want to dive into those in this episode. I'll save that for another episode. But I want to give you a second stage practice because so long as we are resistant and seeking freedom in the world around us, seeking to solve the world's problems or our partner's problems or the problem of our partner, we're exhausted and we will trend towards cynicism. Rather than evolving beyond that, we just get cynical. We get turned off from life. We check out of our relationships. We check out of life altogether. And you know whether that means into video games or pornography or uh, drugs and alcohol or work, we check out and it serves nobody. Certainly not ourselves. Definitely not our families and our communities. So here's the practice. I call it anger yoga or emotion yoga. And this really is in alignment with the second key takeaway, avoiding the feelings never works. So here's the practice. And this is what I've been doing this weekend, really feeling what is arising to be felt rather than just projecting it on the world around me. Oh, the dog is like this. We need to fix the dog or get rid of the dog or fuck the dog or whatever. Ah, oh, feeling, setting a container, creating a container, which might mean go sitting in your car or go into the bathroom or your, or uh, I was going to say your bedroom, but don't go into your, don't do this in your bedroom. Your bedroom should be your sanctuary, your refuge, where you rest and make love. That's it. Don't do anything else in your bedroom, but rest and make love. Don't work. Don't watch TV. Don't argue. Definitely don't argue. Don't have heavy relationship conversations in the bedroom. Nope. Off limits. Um, so anger yoga or, or emotion yoga, create the container. Go someplace where you know no one will see you or hear you, maybe on a hike, but wherever it is, 
Don't be doing anything else. If you sit in your car, don't be driving. Just sit there and set a timer, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, and just feel what you're feeling. This is especially useful when you are being triggered by something, when you do notice that something is burdening you, something is just like me with the dog, noticing that, man, I'm getting really fucking frustrated with this dog. Well, you know what? It isn't actually the dog. It's easy to blame the dog, but it's not the fucking dog. It's the fact that that there's this thing, there's this experience inside of me that is always going to feel trapped and burdened in a human body. Always something is always going to cast a shadow over my day if I focus on it and allow it. If it's not the dog, it's something else. It's I only have a hundred thousand social media followers, or I didn't make enough money this month, or whatever it is, or my partner is upset about this thing I'm doing that I really want to do. It doesn't fucking matter. There's always going to be something that hurts and there's no escaping that. So this practice is great when you're feeling that, when you're connected to that, when you're triggered. So you just sit, it could be a meditative practice. Again, even if it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, but if you need to set a timer, set a timer. But the point is you're getting away from others so that you're not taking this out on anyone else. And you're just sitting there and feeling it like a meditation, allowing it to wash through you. It won't be pretty. It won't be spiritual. It won't be. And you might even voice some things. You might even say some words. It might, you know, you might get nasty and say things that you would never want anyone else to hear you say. That's okay. It's just a practice. You're allowing this energy to move through your body. And what this does is you, as you begin to develop this, your own relationship with what you're feeling, and it's okay if, if even what you're feeling is just, oh, I feel my neck feels stiff. Even if that's all you're present to, you're starting to cultivate a relationship to your own body, to your own feeling experience. And that is critical for intimacy and for making just good decisions about how to move forward in your life, right? A lot of us, for example, will do work. We'll take on jobs where we feel like shit. We don't feel good every day, but we'll keep doing it because, well, the money's good or because I haven't figured out what else to do yet. And when actually we're just killing ourselves slowly, creating so much toxicity in our bodies that we're ignoring or overriding. I remember when I was managing a music band for a couple of years and we went on tour across the, across the United States for 10 months about, Oh, it was probably about five months into that experience. I remember, you know, we were, I was in the, the, the truck a lot. I was on my laptop. So my, my posture was terrible because I was a manager. And I remember for, for probably a month or so, I had this sort of arcing pain down my neck that oh, really hurt a lot, but you know, I got work to do. So I just ignored it. Well, somewhere between Salt Lake City and Portland, Oregon, I woke up one morning in a hotel room and I could not get out of bed. I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was 36 years old and my body had locked down. I was so terrified. I thought I must have like spinal meningitis or something. I, I was in good shape. I'd never had this happen before, but I was ignoring what I was feeling in my body. I was overriding it with the outcome that I thought needed to happen. And my body eventually said, dude, stop. You're done. Break. So 
this practice that I'm offering you, this emotion or, or anger, and, and I call it anger yoga too, because that's a lot of times the emotion that us men first go to because there's power in it. We feel powerless to arrange the world, to fix the world so that we feel free. We feel powerless. Well, anger has a lot of power in it. But the problem is we use our anger to do destructive things, either to others or to ourselves. And we either explode outward or implode inward. And it's not healthy in any direction. So this practice, emotion or anger yoga, a couple couple weeks ago at a men's retreat, I had a group of seven men in the woods doing anger yoga. And it was exquisite as they were, we were spread out through the woods and, and, and these men were just oh, expressing out their pains. The, the primal rage and scream was just um, glorious because we weren't hurting each other and we weren't hurting ourselves and we weren't hurting the environment. We were simply being with and expressing our anger. It's incredibly invigorating and incredibly refreshing right? Like, like after a storm, a tropical storm passes and the air feels charged and electric and clear. That's the gift of doing this practice, emotion yoga or anger yoga. And as I said, I've been doing that these past couple of days, just allowing myself to feel what I feel. And, you know, underneath the anger, there's been a lot of sadness. I realized that I've had to do some grieving that this dog experience isn't the one that I really wanted. And there's really no going back. I'm, I'm not going to trade in the dog. I mean, what happens if I get a child? And my Sylvie and I, we have a child that, you know, I guess same has some anxiety or some, God only knows what can happen, that they, that they show up in some way that is less than my perfect ideal in my brain. Am I going to reject my own child? And plenty of parents do. I'm not going to be that kind of parent. So here's my practice to feel what I'm feeling, to, to even grieve if grieving is necessary. And, you know, we men, I wrote a blog about this recently on my website called why men must learn to grieve everything because there's so much in our lives that is not the way we want it to be. And I'm a huge proponent of, of creating your life and building the life of your dreams. And there's all kinds of of practices and tools and actions. And I do a lot of these in my coaching practice that can propel us towards a life in which we thrive. But life is still always going to present in ways that cause us to feel trapped and burdened. Whether you are a multimillionaire or broke, that's our shared humanity. And there's no way around it, only through it. Ah. <sighs> So there you go. I trust you enjoyed this and that this served you. Uh, really, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Men This Way. This was uh, my first time experiment doing this without a guest. Please let me know how this served you. I'd love to get your feedback. Did you enjoy this? You can email me at brian at brianreeves.com. Brian with a Y at brianreeves.com. And you can also check out other episodes of Men This Way on your favorite podcast app or at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. And if you can think of anyone else who might be served by what you just heard, please share this episode with them now. And finally, please leave a review. 
your words definitely make a difference as to whether someone else will listen to this podcast. So this is your opportunity to also lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Brian with the Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.